This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to Rotowire's signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ, brought to you with the support from our pals at Owner's Box with their new way to enjoy fantasy sports. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host is AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24, back in the co-host chair in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin. We're four weeks into the schedule, and we have seen a few more games postponed. As many as seven were announced last week, and I know uh, last night, and I don't know, AJ, you're on top of that. Uh, but I note that infections are way down all across North America. I've studied the numbers every day in Canada and USA, and I want to strike a note of optimism, folks, when, I'm, when I think we need it. I think the worst is really behind us when I look at these charts. Uh, infections are down as much as 40 to 50 percent in the last three weeks, and that trend is a trend that I hope will continue with the vaccinations and precautions that have been taken most recently uh, north and south of the border. Curiously, I noted to AJ that we haven't had any games postponed uh, in Canada but I know a few teams are also dealing not only with that, but injuries and the waiver wire is getting really busy. We're going to cover all of that today, partner. But I want to know what your thoughts are about what I said about the infection rate and whether you're feeling the same optimism. Well, I'll start by saying, you know, up there in Canada, it's so cold right now that nobody's leaving their house anyway. So, I mean, how, says how the guy in, says the guy in Wisconsin, which is north of where <laughs> I am. Come on. <laughs> uh, no, I mean. So I, I, I will agree with your optimism about infection rates and stuff like that. Obviously, the, you know, they've talked about new strains being more, uh, more infectious. And, and so in general, I'm feeling a sense of optimism. Now, when it comes to the hockey season, there I'm not so sure. Uh, you know, seven postponements, that brings the total up to 33 games that have been postponed at this point. I'm not sure when they're going to cram these into the schedule. And look, the season has to end uh, when they're set to end because NBC is not going to tolerate pushing this thing back. They've got an Olympics to cover this summer. And so uh, l- let's be honest. I think they care significantly less about the NHL than they do about the Olympics, especially when you consider the fact that uh, down here in the U S NBC sports net is going to be folded up at the end of the year. So they're, they're, you know, their primary driver of hockey coverage is going away. So uh, look, I, I have concerns about that, that every team's going to play 56 games. 
I wouldn't be surprised if we end up doing a point percentage for determining playoffs because they just can't get all these games in, um, you know, with the number of, of, of cancellations here. So while I'm optimistic in general around COVID and, and the, the progress we're seeing thanks to vaccinations and, and, you know, mass precautions and stuff like that, I definitely have concerns about finishing the season as a full 56-game schedule. Well, my solution is to have all the 24 U.S.-based teams move north of the border to play out the rest of the schedule. We've been very fortunate here in Canada that there have been no postponements in the best division of the four, and I'm pretty (laughs) excited about what I've been seeing. So, A.J., I'm all smiles today. We'll get to the reasons why a little bit later in the show. Uh, As always, folks, our plan is not to postpone anything in terms of our coverage of the 31 teams, and uh, before we go into that, AJ, I know you want to give our listeners here a reminder from our primary sponsor, Owner's Box. Hey, NHL fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They are the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform that combines the best elements of the industry into one product. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, social interaction, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. The best part about weekly fantasy sports is there's no long-term commitment. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. No more falling subject to unfair payouts as up to 50% of users win money. Owner's Box also allows users to brand themselves to engage socially across the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leaves, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Think you've got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy guru? Head over to ownersbox.com and start making a name for yourself today. In honor of the NHL season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. What are you waiting for? Head over to ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and join the new wave of fantasy sports. Beautiful, AJ. Just beautiful. Okay, partner, you can go. uh, I'll go first this week to give you a bit of a break. Uh, We'll start off as we always do in Anaheim. They've had to shuffle the lineup around a little bit just because of a couple of injuries. One to their captain, a lower body hurt that's got him listed as day-to-day. And Sonny Milano, a guy that they hope to be one of their sharpshooters on the wings, is out with an undisclosed injury. In fact, he's on the IR for at least a week. And along with that, Brendan Gooley is uh, uh, one of the defensemen who is sidelined. He'll be out for at least a couple of weeks. Uh, interesting note for me is that David Backus, who was been relegated to wing duty in Boston and a bottom six role. He's getting a lot of first uh, top six minutes of late on uh, in the second line, and he had a, one solid outing in his last five games there. He's going to have to do a little bit better than that to maintain top six opportunities. Uh, the injury to Milano has given Troy Terry a shot at more playing time at right wing, and he's com- com- able to contribute two points over his last four games played. He also is going to need to do a little bit better than that. The troubling notes here are the fact that offense is really a problem. And Max Comtois finally got off the mat. He scored three goals in the first couple of games of the season and had been silent, but he got two goals last week. They're going to need more people to step up like that. Otherwise, it's going to be a long year in Anaheim, no matter how many games they play. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be a long year for them regardless. I just don't see, uh, you know, the youngsters that they have uh, are still working on developing their game. 
some of the older guys I think are a little bit past their prime, including a guy like David Backus, who I think is miscast as a center, um, but they don't have the center depth with Geslap out, and it's the best solution. I, I would rate it similar to when uh, Marcus Johansson was playing center or even uh, TJ Oshie playing center. The, these are short-term fixes for guys that should really be on the wing. Uh, for Arizona, it's you know uh, one in, one out right now as they get Larson Krause back for, for last night's game. Uh, he, uh, you know, Played pretty uh, pretty solid minutes, upwards of 17, had just one shot on net. So that's really kind of a disappointing outing considering how much uh, time he had. And he replaced Drake Kajula, who was out last night with, with an injury of his own. They're still waiting on Christian Fisher, who was placed on IR. And Oliver ekman Larson still is not ready to come back, though he did travel with the team recently. So hopefully you know, maybe another week or so is kind of my read on, on that one. Uh, so injuries, uh, you know, no real solid improvement for them on, on that front. They are getting production out of a guy like Chisharin, who had two goals last week, uh, Jordan Schmaltz as well. And while, you know, Phil Kessel is not the guy you bring in to, to pick up assists, that's, you know, really he's a goal scorer, right? <laughs> um, but three assists this last week, that's certainly a, a step in the right direction, but you have to be concerned about the eight-game goal drought. Um, plenty of shots on net over that stretch, uh, 18 shots. So a little more, a little bit more than two per game. Uh, you'd like to see that maybe a little higher given the slump, but overall it seems like Kessel should get one in the back of the net sooner rather than later here. You know what? I'm excited for this team, uh, mostly because of the development of one Jacob Chikrin. Now, this guy adds to the fact that they've already got three adept offensive-minded defensemen. Not to say that none of them are defensively responsible either, but J- Chikrin is the youngest of the group, and he got a couple of goals last week to continue to show his offensive upside. And the news is getting a little bit better in terms of Oliver ekman Larson. He looks like he might be able to play at some point in this current four-game road trip and ready to come off the IR. So a couple of positive notes there on the back end. The Boston Bruins continue to roll along. They swept all three games they played last week, and uh, that they also had two games canceled with Buffalo, so they might have been looking at five games if they would have won if they would have played those, but hopefully those will be made up soon. David Pasternak has come back, and AJ, this guy's an absolute cheat code, uh, the way he's been playing. Five goals already to lead all the Boston shooters, and, and two assists last week. He led all scorers that way. Brad Marchand continues to do Brad Marchand things, two goals, two helpers. And McAvoy is starting to warm up to the role of power play linchpin on the back end and a minute eater among the defensemen with an offensive game with three helpers himself. Krejci, I've been touting him as one of the better playmaking second-line centers, uh, contributed three assists. So it's not they're trying not to be just a one-trick pony, but it's hard to ignore that top line the way they've been dominating things, hasn't it? And uh, it almost obscures the fact that they've had a few injuries cropping up among their forwards, uh, Studnika, Kasha, and DeBrusque, all on the IR at the moment. At least uh, Craig Smith is warming to his uh, new digs with three goals and one assist to uh, provide some secondary scoring in the seven games played. He's, play- he's played at right wing on the second line. I'll just add that uh, early indications from yesterday, Jake DeBrusque should be activated off the IR ahead of their next game, so they'll get him back. And, and Matt Grzelczyk, also looks like he's trending in the right direction and could be back in action for them sooner rather than later. Uh, in Buffalo, we haven't seen this team play. Uh, their last four games have been postponed. They've got a couple more. So what I want to talk about here with them is the concerns about you 
know, all through the start of the season, they, the league and the players association told us that on ice transmission was not something that uh, had been shown or proven, but you've got uh, a devil's team comes in, plays two games with Buffalo. And then suddenly Buffalo is dealing with an outbreak. Plus two of the uh, officials from the, those games have also been added to COVID protocol list. So I think it's pretty clear uh, at least based on this, that on ice transmission is a concern. I think the NHL needs to do a better job of, you know, post, not that we need more postponements, but if there's any indication that a player on one team might, uh, you know, be, uh, contagious. I, I think they just need to call off these games because they could have contained this within New Jersey if they hadn't played those two games and Buffalo would still be in action right now. But I think clearly they made the wrong call here. On ice transmission appears to be real. Uh, and now it costs the second organization a, a ton of games. Partner in Carolina, the Hurricanes went two and one last week. And a uh, large reason why is they're getting good secondary scoring. Rock McGinn, Picked up two goals. Now he's moved up to right wing on the top line. Warren Fogel chipped in two goals and one helper. And Vinny Trocek, a guy who I really like in a, in a scoring line situation there behind Barkov, picked up two goals and one assist. Brett Pesci's trying to make a case for himself being noted more uh, as a more offensive-minded defenseman to just a defensive presence with a goal and three helpers last week to go along with Dougie Hamilton's goal and three helpers himself. James Reimer's been a beneficiary of all this offense. With three, In three games played, he picked up two wins despite the fact he gave up 13 goals against. He's now 5-1 and one on the year despite a very bloated 313 goals against and 883 save percentage. Those, are, those aren't numbers you would have... Uh, assigned to a, a goalie with a 5-1 and win-loss record. So he's got to continue to up his game. Otherwise, he's going to lose some starts when Mrazek comes back and gets healthy. Mrazek, for his part, broke his thumb, and his, uh, the note is that he's going to be out for a month. So uh, Reimer is going to be the guy that gets a lot of the, the work. Nedeljkovic is, is, is there as the backup, but I think they want to, to get him more reps in practice and get him in tune with the, the big league environment, and so Reimer will carry the load there. Reimer Ryan Zingle is in at right wing on the third line. A goal and two assists in his last five games. Finally starting to, to show his offensive game. I think there's a lot there, and it's been dormant for quite a while. The one sour note for me, though, Brady Shea, his stock has dropped a bit in my books. No power play time going his way, and only three assists in nine games played. Well, we did get our first look at Nedeljkovic last night. Uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, they did a really good job, I think, limiting shots on, on a young netminder like that. He only faced 22 shots. Unfortunately, he allowed three of them to find the back of the net. So not exactly a banner start to the year for him either. And I think, look, netminding will be a concern for this team until, uh, until they get Mrazic back. In Calgary, They've got, uh, you know, no real injury concerns with this club other than the recent uh, Derek Ryan injury. He will be uh, on long-term IR after suffering a, a, a finger injury there, a fractured finger, which is unfortunate. You know, I think his, his production has been down, but he had been, you know, in the lineup every night uh, as kind of a bottom six guy. So it's going to stretch their depth. Uh, it won't have a, a huge impact, and I think it'll mean more minutes for guys like Dominic Simone. Uh, and it could quiet the Sam Bennett trade rumors. You know, he has been a center. He's been a wing. And then they scratched him for a night. And, and now suddenly he's back playing a top six role. So I think they just don't know what to do with him. I've seen Bennett, uh, you know, linked to, to some moves here. 
uh, for some other disgruntled guys around the league. And so we'll see if he finishes out the year here. Um, but I, I, I'm thinking maybe the Derek Ryan injury might be just enough to convince the Flames not to, um, you know, ship a player of his caliber out. Yeah, I'm concerned for this club. If David Riddish doesn't get his game in order, AJ, it seems to me that they're wearing down Markstrom bit by bit. He has had trouble limiting opponents to less than three goals against over his last five games. He's done it once. And so that's a trend that needs to turn around. Otherwise, they're going to lose contact with the top three teams in this division real quick. In Chicago, a uh, good week for the club, 2-0-1 on the, on the whole. Debrinkat led the scoring with four goals and two assists. Patrick Kane doing Pat, Patrick Kane things, two goals, five assists. Dominic Kubalik, a goal and four assists. So the offense is coming from more than just one player there. Uh, interesting note for me, Brent Seabrook is back skating on his own. Still a long way from a possible return, but boy, what an upgrade it would be to the blue line if he could turn back the clock and, and actually get back in the lineup. Instead, we get to talk about more youngsters here, AJ. Philip Kurashev has two goals and two assists in his last four games, playing top-line minutes next to Patrick Kane. That's got to bump his DFS value up significantly. And I'm keeping an eye on Dylan Strom. He's looked good in the center role on the second line. Four points in his last seven games played, averaging 17 and a half minutes uh, per game in terms of playing time. I expect even more from this guy. Uh, I'd look for him to take another step in his development this season. Lankinen continues to uh, uh, impress in net for me, AJ, appearing in eight of the last ten in goal with nice numbers overall. 232 is the goals against, 928 the save percentage. This looks like another strong finish goalie prospect to me. I totally agree. I think what surprises me most about the, the goaltending situation there is that in the limited times that we haven't seen Lincoln in, that it's been Malcolm Subban, who apparently has outplayed Colin D'Elia to be the third netminder. I, I honestly, if you asked me ahead of the season before we really knew much about Lincoln and who would be their starter for more games, I would have told you D'Elia in, in a landslide. I just think Malcolm Subban is a career backup based on his you know, abilities and what we've seen from him. Uh, I, and I didn't expect him to carry the load at all for this team. And, and so I am quite surprised that he's uh, worked his way into the number two. But, uh, yeah, at this point, there's no reason to take Lincoln and out. And, and I anticipate that they will be uh, rolling with him as much as possible moving forward. Yeah, I, Columbus. Sorry. I was going to say, oh, go ahead, I, I was just going to say a note about uh, the goaltending situation there, AJ. I too am surprised that Subban has not found a way to, to get his nose in front of Dalia in this mix because uh, he, they had traded for him, uh, you know, and, and they didn't give him a chance to play last year. He's got very limited opportunities this year. I don't know what's going on there in total, but uh, Subban has to get his nose in front at some point, and, and I look forward to that opportunity. I really do. Yeah, I, ju- I just don't see how you make the switch at, at this point. But, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Uh, in Columbus, uh, one and two for, on the week, and the new guys are contributing in a big way. Patrick Laine, three goals. Jack Roslavich, uh, one goal and four assists. Now, still getting production out of some of the old stalwarts, too, and Seth Jones with a goal and three assists as well. I think the, you know, the concern here uh, starts for me uh, on the goalie front. You know, Jonas Corbisalo had um, – a couple, a couple bad nights, uh, and and gave up six goals, five goals, three goals, and three games before uh, last night's contest, and and that's a concern for me, especially when they don't have the ability to rely on, uh, you know, both Elvis Merzlikens and now Matthias Kivelix are both out, and so their option outside of Corbisalo is Cameron Johnson, who's never played in an NHL game, so that's not necessarily very reassuring. 
Um, so really they're going to have to allow Corpus Allo to kind of play his way out of this funk. Now I think it looks like he maybe uh, started working on that last night. Um, but you know, we have to talk about that as well. Patrick Laine, uh, we, we said this was coming, Paul. We were curious how it was going to work with Patrick Laine and his, you know, reported, I, I don't want to bash a guy that I don't know personally, but his reported uh, lack of work ethic in the defensive zone playing for a guy like John Tortorella. Well, it came to a head last night as he gets benched, logs just 11-14 of ice time, uh, benched for the third period. Look, I, I didn't like this fit between these two guys to begin with, and, and now it's coming off the rails, Paul. What what, what do you think? It's, it's four games, and he's already benched. Yeah, well, this this is something that I heard a couple of uh, comments about this from teammates, and Cam Atkinson uh, really struck a note with me. This guy's been playing for Tortorella for a long time there in Columbus, and he said, look, all he wants is, is an honest effort uh, for the full length of the ice, and, and I know that, and players that want to play for him should know that. And uh, that's the challenge for Line A to get acclimatized quickly. Otherwise, this is going to be another drama, drama that's going to draw out for a while. And uh, if it does, I don't think Line A is going to fit in here because Torch is going to win this one too, I think. And uh, the, he's, he's got a good track record as a coach. So he, he can call on that and say, look, I've done this before. I've done it. Uh, taught some players how to play that 200-foot game with great success. And Line A has, uh, is looking like a bit of a malcontent, not only for for this stint, but also his time in Winnipeg, that's the track record that he's amassing. So I'm firmly in the coach's corner in this situation. But I want to talk also about Roslavich. He's had seven points in his last five games with AJ. We were concerned about the depth at center. This guy might be the solution that we didn't really count on, although I give you credit for saying to keep an eye on on him because he could be a a good sleeper play and a guy who tilts the scales in, in Columbus's favor when evaluating this trade down the line. In any case, we move on to the next club. That's Colorado. They only played one game and they won it last week. They were another team that was victimized by the COVID situation, having four games postponed. They hope to resume play tomorrow. In fact, Devin Taves uh, is on the IR. That's a bit of a blow for the defense. Uh, Pavel Francouz has a lower body injury. He's on the IR to deplete the goaltending situation. But the big story is Nate McKinnon with a lower body injury. However, the delays on the schedule might only cause him to miss one or two games, and that's a lot better than they thought so he's looking to return next Saturday and in fact several key players uh, are on the COVID list at the moment here so they have to tread those waters as guys like Landis and Tyson Yost are in the infirmary and so a bit of a challenge for a team that was expected to be one of the top clubs in the conference. It'll definitely be interesting to see what sort of roster they have you know depending on who Uh, is available who comes off the COVID list in in the coming days ahead of that game. I mean, if you're talking about them being without Landeskog and and McKinnon, uh, Devin Taves is out, you know, they're, they're right now, they're looking at uh, Bowen Byram, who, you know, I think is going to be a a solid defenseman for them in the future, but relatively untested at this point and was kind of serving as like their seventh defenseman, possibly playing top minutes with Kale McCarr, Connor Timmons, uh, Ryan Graves, Greg Petterin. I mean, that's that's a pretty sketchy blue line for a team that, you know, in, in normal times with everybody available, you add Samuel Garrard, Devin Taves, and Eric Johnson to that group. That's one of the best uh, groups in the, in the league, in, in my opinion. And so they're they're going to have some, uh, some in, uh, interesting decisions to make depending on who's available and who's not. Speaking of who's available in Dallas, 
They are set to get uh, Joel Kivaranta back in the lineup. He will bounce back from a lower body injury. And look, this is a guy uh, was a bit of a playoff darling last year, right? Played uh, very minimal games, just 11 regular season games, one goal, and then just turned it on in the postseason and looked like he was going to pick up right where he left off in the season opener, a goal and an assist. And now he's been out the, you know, the last uh, eight or nine games here. And so getting him back a first line role is, is going to be a big one for him. They'll they're set to put him with Pavelski and Ben, which I think is a phenomenal spot for him. Uh, you know, the other question mark is, is who's going to start in goal. We saw Anton Hudobin was, uh, you know, left off the roster over the weekend uh, after missing a, a team practice. So I expect, you know, all indications are that that is behind them. They're not going to linger about that. Uh, so I would expect him in net, but it's possible with him not being around for that game. They go one more with Ottinger. So definitely a situation to watch there as well. Um, yeah, so some interesting uh, choices there. Alexander Radulov dealing with an injury as well. So we'll see who they get back, who they don't. Uh, Kivaranta, technically a game-time decision tonight. Yeah, Kudobin's struggles are, are, are a problem for me. This is a team that really predicates its success on the defensive structure, and when the goalie's not holding up his end of the bargain, that's a real issue. And considering the fact that they benched him with Bishop already sidelined to go with Ottinger, that's how seriously the coaching staff is looking at this and hoping that their presumptive starter gets his act together real quick. Uh, I'm, I'm also concerned for... Radulov's situation he had a great week last week with five points and then he ends it with an injury and uh, he's expected to miss the next game I think but uh, hopefully he's not out long term for their benefit there up next we talk about the Detroit Red Wings they went one and two last week Vlad Nemesknikov uh, finally chipping in offensively with a couple of goals they'll need him to uh, contribute behind Larkin to solidify a second scoring line it would also help if, uh, if Tyler Bertuzzi could come back in the lineup they're expecting him to rebound from his upper body injury and be back there later next week uh, Glenn Denning has got an upper body injury listed day to day that hampers the offense a little bit as well but one guy who's trying to make his way through the injuries and take advantage of the opportunity is Giovanni Smith getting a look uh, at right wing on the top line with Larkin notching two points on Sunday as as right wing on the top unit there so a good opportunity for for him to kind of find his way Thomas Grice shouldering the load and net has allowed only three goals over the last two games played after some earlier struggles so it looks like he might be getting his game in order now and uh, I continue to see growth in Philip Ronick's game with six assists to date and 13 games played the guy youngsters play, logging 24 minutes a game and better than two shots on goal per game both are early career high for him I think the the nice thing for them is that they finally got that first win from uh, Thomas Grice you know he has really uh, struggled to put wins together this year one seven and two in, in 10 outings his numbers aren't terrible 0.903 save percentage so you would expect you know maybe another win or two in there but finally got that one against Florida uh, on Sunday. So maybe that's a step in the right direction for him, but he's going to have to continue carrying the the load, as you mentioned, uh, with, with Bernier uh, sideline there in Edmonton. We finally got a look at Mike Smith who comes off the IR and, and played uh, last night. Actually. Uh, I know Paul, we, we try and keep the Monday games out of it, but we got <laughs> got to talk about Mike Smith on this one. Uh, what will surprise our, our annual listeners is that I went in on the Mike Smith train last night in DFS. <laughs> I actually used him, uh, that matchup with Ottawa, just too juicy and, and uh, got a, a small cash out of it. Nothing 
earth shattering. Um, but you know, a win's a win, right? And so, uh, one and one last week overall for the team, the, the Ethan bear injury, he's been out since the end of January, uh, is now on the IR. So that's definitely a concern for them. Uh, gate, uh, Haas is, is out as well. Kind of a depth player there. So I expect this team should continue to keep rolling. You know, the nice part for them is they now can have Smith and Koskinen kind of bounce off, off each other instead of having to have Koskinen hold the load for them. And I, I think that'll be overall an improvement. Look, I'm not saying that this is a net minding group that I love and that I'm going to back every single night. Um, but when they get to play Ottawa, you know, eight, nine, ten times, whatever it is, uh, it's hard not to use these guys from night to night, that's for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned a couple of the injuries on the blue line. That's given an opportunity to Evan Bouchard to draw in. And I like this guy's shot total, AJ, in three games played, ten shots on goal. So he's got an offensive upside to his game back based on what I saw out of him in junior. So it's a, it's a name that you you should keep an eye on and see if he does move up in, in rank and class because there's not too many guys behind Tyson Berry and, and Darnell Nurse that have that offensive upside in this blue line with the two injuries that you noted on the back end. Up next, we're going to talk about the Florida Panthers, and this is a team that went 1-1-1. and They finally lost their first game of this early season. They've had a lot of games postponed, though, too. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau and uh, Alex, Alexei Barkov. Alexander Barkov had uh, nine points between them, leading the offense as you would expect them to, but I also am keeping an eye on another youngster. Owen Tippett saw a season-high 16 minutes played last night uh, last time out and posted three games with at least two shots on goal he was a former first round draft pick so maybe he's starting to find a little bit of off- his offensive legs at the pro level here i also say keep an eye on on him uh, going forward uh, he may be showing signs of taking that next, next step in development chris dreger continues to outplay bobrovsky and it's not even close folks Just look at the numbers 197 goals against a 937 save percentage for dreger Bobrovsky 357 and 881 you can say small sample size if you want but this trend is one that I've been trumpeting since the arrival of Dreger late last season he started four of the last six games for the Cats maybe they're realizing the same thing he is the number one goalie in in the, the current setup which is a huge concern when you look at the cap numbers you've got Sergey Bobrovsky making 10 million for the next you know uh six years including this season that's 12.3% of their overall cap. Uh, that's a lot to pay your backup. I guess it's not that bad, though, when you're paying uh, your starter. If Dreger is, in fact, the starter, you're paying him 850000 They're not even paying this guy a million bucks, and he's their starter <laughs> compared to compared to Bobrovsky. It's, it's ridiculous right now, and, and something needs to be fixed with Sergei Bobrovsky. I don't know what they need to do. You know, Florida has that whole uh, – you know, goaltending excellence group that they put together. Well, it's not working for Bobrovsky, so you got to figure something out there. Uh, in terms of, of the LA Kings, I'll continue talking about net mining. You know, we had talked on a previous show about how it seemed like Cal Pedersen was uh, outperforming Jonathan Quick. Maybe he was going to play himself into a split share. Well, he's given up nine goals in his last two games. That's not exactly stellar, including his most recent outing against Vegas in which he was rocked to the tune of four goals on 10 shots. Uh, That's a 0.6 save percentage. That's not winning any trophies, that's for (laughs) sure. So I think it might be time for them to go back to a more heavy load for Jonathan Quick. And ultimately, in my opinion, you know, things aren't going to get better for this team until they get Andreas Athanasiu back. He was really providing a lot of impact on the game. You know, three goals, two assists. 
until he was uh, forced to head on to, you know, the, the non-roster injury reserve uh, for COVID protocols. And I think they need to get him back as soon as possible. And that'll hopefully solve some of their offensive problems and give quick and Pedersen a little bit of wiggle room in terms of, of having to not be perfect on a night to night basis. I also mentioned Sean Walker suffered a broken nose. He'll be out two to four weeks. And so that's going to force them to go with some of these younger guys like Callie Clegg and Austin Strand on the blue line. Yeah. And it doesn't help that Matt Roy joins the infirmary there. They need all hands on deck on that back end and it's just not happening right now. So Drew Doughty, while he uh, signed up to stay here long-term might be ruining that decision because it's not looking very positive in Los Angeles at the moment. In Minnesota, things are were looking up a little bit before last week, but they also had four games postponed. They lost the only one they played as well. Uh, they're hoping to play again later this week. Uh, Thursday looks like the next possible game that they'll they'll be able to play involving the Wild. Matt Dumba is on the IR with a lower body injury, and the, the fact that they missed these four games means that he might not miss too much playing time because it's expected he'll rejoin the squad later this week. Jared Spurgeon also on the uh, on the infirmary list with a day-to-day upper body injury, so maybe he'll be back. But those two uh, bumps on the back end have afforded the opportunity for them to promote veteran blue liner Matt Barkowski, an experienced guy to insert in, in a depleted uh, defense core they have eight players in covid protocol aj at the moment uh, cam talbot for his part returned to play the last two in goal and hasn't allowed more than three goals in any of his six appearances to date this season so he's liking life in in the hockey hotbed in minnesota and victor rask posted a rare two goal game last week as the depleted roster gave him an opportunity for top six minutes something that he hasn't seen for a couple of seasons yeah i'll just clarify the scheduling thing with them they're actually off uh, through uh, next week, their oh. their next possible game isn't until February sixteenth wow. uh, against the Kings. So they're they're going to face a, a pretty long extended absence. But to your point, maybe that's an opportunity for a guy like Matt Dumba uh, to to get back sooner rather than later. So we'll have to monitor that situation. They're obviously still without Matt uh, Matt Zuccarella, who we originally slated for a mid February return. Um, and so it's possible, you know, maybe he'll be back in time in time for that game. One team that uh, has not missed any games and continues to roll much to Paul's chagrin is the Montreal Canadiens. They went three one in O last year and I think or last week rather. And I think the biggest impact or you know point here is Jake Allen's performance over that stretch. He uh, got two wins, four goals allowed in those two appearances, and really. Uh, if you look at their last six games, he's played his way into a split share of the nets here, which I, I'm not surprised by, uh, but it is a, a little, I guess, surprising is a good word. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Carey Price is a guy that goes every single night, right? And so that's what you kind of expected. But Jake Allen's a former starter. This guy's played, you know, high quality minutes for, for a lot of years when he was with the Blues and just eventually got beat out by a young up and coming goalie. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not a shock to see him rack, racking up wins. You have to wonder how long a split situation will last. Um, but for now, that's that's what they're going to do. And maybe Carey Price will have an even better postseason if he's well-rested. Josh Anderson uh, has produced uh, heavily for them, four goals and one assist last week. And, Paul, I thought for sure Jeff Petrie's numbers would drop off after you mentioned him last week. I, I, I feel like we have that kind of hex on these guys, but it hasn't slowed him down 
month of February has been phenomenal for him. Six points, uh, four goals, two assists in, in four games during, during February. So uh, they just continue to, to roll. No question about it. And the only negative note is that Joel Armia is out with a concussion situation. So hopefully it's not going to keep him out too long. But their guns are firing. Josh Anderson, I'm surprised at how well this guy's played. Four goals and one helper last week to lead the offense. Petrie continues with a plus seven on the week to go with his, his offensive numbers as well. So he's doing that at both ends of the ice. Tyler, Tyler DeFoley, another addition that's worked out in a stellar manner. Three goals and one assist there as well. So uh, Jake Allen, you mentioned that point. Look, they brought him in to kind of mimic what's gone on in Boston, AJ. That's the way I look at it there because their presumptive starter is in his early 30s. They want to give Carey Price some good recovery time in a condensed schedule. And so I think you're going to see this this back and forth going uh, with this club all season long because they want to keep Carey fresh for what they hope is a long playoff run. The Devils are another team, uh, AJ, we'll move on to them, that's been really hampered by the schedule. And uh, you've made the note, uh, an update uh, on on the previous team that I talked about. The same thing applies with Jersey. They won't play until February 16th as well. They're really going to be facing a tough, tough schedule going forward. Uh, One of the guys that they look for uh, as a leader here – P.K. Subban, uh, on the positive side of things, picked up assists in his last two games. They're going to need that to continue. And wouldn't it be nice to see this guy rehab his uh, career to, to becoming a frontline defenseman again? Uh, I think the Devils would love that because they'd like to move him. He's not going to be a factor in the, in the uh, next wave of, of strong Devils teams. I think it's going to be well beyond his beyond his prime, beyond his prime. His prime to do for them is up his game now and turn that into some trade value. But they're also hampered by the fact that Nico Heischer is still sidelined with his leg injury said to be making progress but we still have no timetable for his return and until then it's going to be a revolving door door in the second line center role as far as i can tell in nashville things uh are not looking uh too bright here as ryan johansson will be out Uh, he was placed on ir yesterday now I, i understand that he's not you know maybe producing at the levels you would expect he's still looking for his first goal of the season uh, that drought extending to 10 games thus far, really only four assists over that stretch. And every one of those has come on the power play. So zero production when you talk about five on five. But having him out of the lineup certainly isn't going to improve their fortunes. You get Matthew Shane in a first line center role. I think he's capable of filling that spot if you look at his past career. But his time in Nashville hasn't instilled any confidence in me that he can fill that role. They're also dealing with an injury to Luke Kunin and Matthias Ekholm. So, uh, you know, and Brad Richardson has been out for a while already. So I, I would have said this team had some pretty good center depth when you talk about Johansson, Duchesne as your one, two, Eric Halla as your three, and Brad Richardson as your four. That's really good down the middle. But now you're looking at Duchesne, Halla, then Colton Sissons and Michael McCarron. As you're, you know, one through four there, that's that's obviously not the same caliber of player. It'll be interesting to see how long they can hold out uh, in terms of that. And, and Ekholm being out, again, you know, you've got a top four here that's normally uh, indestructible in, in the sense of uh, they're, they're one of the best top four depth guys in, in the league every year. And now suddenly you've got uh, that being stretched with a guy like Jared Terniti sliding in or Mark Burke Burwicky could be an option as well. 
Right. Uh, off- offensively, they're going to be challenged as long as that center depth is, is uh, ruined by the injury situation that they're dealing with. They're thin on the wings, too, behind Arvidsson and Forsberg. Grandland has had a bit of a rebirth this year, but other than that, there's nothing going on offensively. So uh, really challenged to, to keep the scores low and uh, play their defensive game night in, night out to have any hope for success. Another team that's predi- built that way is the New York Islanders, but they're uh, more successful at it, AJ, because uh, they're, while their wingers are not noted as high-scoring guys, they do contribute regularly. They have some center depth that I like, too, uh, with the look that they get from the likes of McG- um, Barzal and Nelson and Peugeot. That's a pretty nice one, two, three. And don't forget, I love that fourth line that they have, Sezikis between <laughs> Clutterbuck and Matt, Matt Martin. That's putting uh, that's putting opposing lines in a blender and watching uh, watching all the hits that happen when those guys are on the ice. And uh, they do chip in uh, their share of offense. That's one fourth line that's been intact for uh, more than a couple of seasons, in fact, AJ, which is a surprise to me. They had a couple of games postponed last week. And uh, beyond that, Beauvillier is still on the IR, but he's been skating on his own since last Tuesday. He might be ready for the weekend is the hope. Uh, they have no players in the COVID protocol. That's some good news at the moment. Michael Del Colle is back in the lineup as well. Uh, picking up left-wing minutes on the second line, making the case for more ice time with a two-point effort on Saturday. Center on the second line, Brock Nelson, off to a bit of a slow start, though, AJ. I did mention him in terms of what he's done in previous years. It's not happening so far this year. Only four points and 17 shots on goal in his first 10 games played. That's well below career norms for this guy. Absolutely. And and like I've always said, you know, my threshold for shots on goal is is at least two for, for a guy of scoring capability like that. You'd like it to maybe push three shots on goal per game. So the fact that it's only 17 through 10 is, is definitely low. And you have to feel for the Islanders. As you mentioned, no players on the COVID list. So clearly they're following all the rules and yet they're still getting games canceled um, due to outbreaks with within the you know other teams in the division with you know both New Jersey and Buffalo having to be shut down. The other team in New York is the Rangers, one zero and zero. Then again, two games postponed. Another team being affected by outbreaks in in other clubs. Um, you know Ryan Strom, two goals, one assist in the last in, uh, in that stretch. Panarin, one goal, five assists recently. I think the biggest question for me is the net mining. It seems like there's a bit of uh, uncertainty as to who's going to carry, carry the load for them. They've had Shesterkin uh, take, you know, uh, looks like four of the last five games. Georgiev obviously missed some time after, you know, that off ice altercation with uh, uh, Anthony D'Angelo. So whether he can come back and, and kind of reclaim a, a split start situation remains to be seen. And they are dealing with some injuries on the blue line, I know, you know, people aren't going to be too concerned about not having Jack Johnson available. In fact, I, I know some Penns fans probably think having Jack Johnson out is a addition by subtraction there. Um, but they also have Brendan Smith. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just the truth, unfortunately. They also have Brendan Smith out. And if you're not going to play D'Angelo, then you're looking at Liber Hedjag and Anthony Biteto filling out your third pairing. And, and it's definitely a little thin uh, in that group, you know, the bright spot for them is that Adam Fox seems to be a number one uh, defenseman and Keandre Miller looks as good as promised as well after his time at the University of Wisconsin. Can't forget that one with that guy. <laughs> nice. Philip Heedle is a guy that they're counting on his, some development in his game to, 
to continue his early early career trajectory. But Heedles on the IR figures to miss at least a couple of weeks. That's going to compromise the depth of the Rangers' center situation. I like the, the look of him, uh, Strom, and Zibanejad as your top three centers. They could drive three scoring lines there easily with those guys. So the transformation is well underway in terms of a rebuild here. And, uh, of course, it's going to take a bit of a... Uh, pause while Heedle is out of lineup but uh, maybe it affords Strom a chance to get more time uh, in a scoring line role and that could be good for his ownership if you're in there with season-long ownership of him. Um, Ottawa's up next. Tim Stutzle seems to be the story here week in and week out. Now he's starting to produce offense like many people forecast. Three goals and two helpers in his last five starts at left wing on the third line. They're insulating him from uh, getting top checking from opposition. He's getting a lot of power play time as well. Evgeny Dadanov not really delivering much offense. Uh, I thought this veteran winger would would, uh, be a key cog in the offense here, but only three points and a minus six in his first 12 games played before last night. He's still listed as right wing on the top unit. Uh, That might be because they don't have anybody to really threaten that, particularly when you consider one of those candidates would be Connor Brown. In fact, he has been dropped to third line minutes after producing only one goal and five points in his dozen starts. Drake Batherson is a guy who slipped in between both of them, getting top six minutes on the right side, Three assists, three points in his last six games. This guy scored a lot in the American Hockey League, and they're hoping that it translates to the NHL level. There's going to be a lot of similar auditions for roles around this roster, but that's just an indication of the opportunities that abound here in Ottawa, despite the fact because of the fact that they're really thin up front. Look, I, I said that uh, you know in preseason shows, I, I think Lafiniere absolutely was the right pick at number one overall, and I'm not trying to suggest that it should have been otherwise. But what I did say was that I felt like Tim Stusley would be the quicker adjustment to the NHL, having played in the DEL. The German Hockey League is not some scrub league uh, anymore. This has up and coming guys that can play. This is a good league. And, you know, it's not the KHL, don't get me wrong, but it's certainly a, a better league than I think a lot of people give it credit for. And I said Stutzley would be the more NHL-ready guy. Well, you look through, you know, 10 games for Stutzley, 11 for Lafiniere. Stutzley is the one with four goals and two assists, while Lafiniere just has the one goal. I think long-term, Lafiniere was the better guy to take at number one. I'm not changing that fact, um, but I, I, I'm not surprised to see one of them adjusting to the NHL a little bit quicker than they, than the other. And I think people need to give the DEL more credit than they do. I'll get off my high horse on that one and head uh, start talking to the Philadelphia Flyers. One, one and one is the record last week. Scott Lawton, three goals and one assist. Sean Couturier, two goals and one assist. JVR continues to lead this club in production, two goals and three assists. That's seven goals and 11 helpers on the year for him. Uh, 18 points in 13 games and really just having uh, a banner year right now. You know, his, his, his numbers have never been bad, but I, I think the fact that he's leading the way on this club uh, may be a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, you know, he had, he had some good seasons in Toronto, Paul. He hit the 60-point mark a number of times, 50 points a couple of times. Um, I guess I'm just still a little bit surprised that he's the primary uh, driver of the offense right now, especially when you guys have guys like Claude Giroux, who has just one goal on the year and, and uh, you know, Couturier, obviously. But that's not a bad problem for them to have. Uh, the kind of surprising thing is that we are going to see Brian Elliott tonight 
in the, in the pipes. He has really worked his way into at least a divided workload alongside Carter Hart with Hart maybe stumbling a, a little bit early out of the gates and, and Brian Elliott playing really phenomenal. Uh, and you know, Paul, I might as well just keep rolling with it. Brian Elliott, another product of the university of Wisconsin. Oh my God. It's, it's commercial day for, for my partner. He's touting the German league for his family heritage. And now he's giving props to, to the local college scene. And oh my God, I can't wait to get to talk to more, more things that are local to me in a, in a couple of more teams. Pittsburgh, 0 and 2 last week. AJ, maybe that's why you ramble on about other stuff because there's not much good news around the pens these days. The injury front getting a little crowded on the defense. Patterson with an upper body injury. Dumoulin, Dumoulin uh, with a lower body hurt. They're both listed as day-to-day. Maybe you have better news or clearer out, uh, outlook on those two guys. Jared McCann, I know, I know that you look at him as a very useful piece here, also dealing with a lower body injury, listed as day-to-day himself. Mike Matheson, in terms of positive news, a return to lineup after missing eight games. I know you and other Pens fans are hoping to see him step up as a two-way performer on the blue line. That's what we forecast when we uh, made the preview of this team that I thought this guy would be a really nice addition here uh, yet to be seen but here's the opportunity now i think he should help stabilize the blue line in fact when he gets uh, some reps under his belt pierre olivier joseph has been a bit of a revelation in his absence with five points in the last seven games played so that could be a real bonus that they give a youngster a chance to, to strut his stuff and uh, could be an unexpected con- contributor going forward. He's partnering now with Chris Letang, and I think that's a good spot for him with the veteran. Up front, Jason Zucker hasn't factored into uh, the power play yet, despite regular use on the special teams, and that's a bit of an issue for me because they brought this guy in to be a top sniper, and they're really having a little bit of trouble getting on track this season. And uh, you took a shot at Freddie Anderson last week with a sub-9 goal, nine, 90% <laughs> goals, save percentage. I know both of your guys are at sub-89 percent that's simply not good enough as a partner no absolutely not and look uh you know i'll I'll talk injury front first here jared mccann uh looks like possibly out uh tonight zach Aston reese uh seems prepared to come in off the ir and fill in on that third line uh which was a really solid line for them last season of of Aston reese teddy bluger and brandon tanev so that's that's an upside if if they are without jared mccann of course, Mike Matheson, one game back, we're all glad to have some positive news on the blue line. And then he gets hurt in practice yesterday. Um, so they're reevaluating him for, for an injury. So he's kind of questionable tonight. In terms of, of Dumoulin and Pedersen, uh, not a lot of good news there. You know, Pedersen was skating with, with the taxi squad group, but I think that indicates he's probably still a few days away. And Dumoulin, UC Ricola, and Evan Rodriguez, none of them have started stating yet. Uh, so it's bad news there. And then my final thing I'll add is Chris Letang continues to just be bad. The, one of oh, the goals boy. in that game against the Islanders, you know, Pierre Oliver Joseph, I know he's a rookie. I know he's a young player, but he had good positioning on, on the play. Uh, there was no reason for Chris Letang to try and help him behind the net. Letang goes behind the net anyway. And the puck comes out to the open guy in front of the net and directly leads to a goal and the loss for the Penguins. Now, you could argue that maybe Tristan Jari should have stopped that, but the bonehead plays have just been all over the place for Chris Letang this season. I'm starting to wonder if we'd be better without him in the lineup. I I can't believe I'm saying that. I know there's plenty of Pittsburgh fans who hate on Chris Letang all the time. I don't count myself among them, but that 
was just abysmal play by him the other night. I'll, I'll start talking about the San Jose Sharks instead, who continue to get uh, some pretty uh, generally poor play uh, from Marty Jones, who's given up you know 12 goals in his last three games. But they're still managing to pull off some wins there. He's got two wins in those outings, despite uh, being pretty well shelled here. Uh, you have to wonder, you know, you know, the immediate thought is, well, go to Devin Dubnik some more. Um, but unfortunately for him, despite decent play, they're just not getting wins out of Dubnik. Dubnik still doesn't have a win for San Jose yet. Uh, 0-3-1 in, in six outings. He was solid in his last one against Anaheim, stopped 32 of 33 shots and was left wanting uh, in a losing effort there. So really, really disappointing, uh, a shootout loss for him in that one. So they can't seem to find the net mining. And when they do get the net mining, they can't seem to find the offense, which is a bit surprising when you've got guys like Evander Kane, you got Brent Burns and Eric Carlson on the blue line. There are plenty of names, you know, obviously Logan Couture as well, guys that should be producing and just aren't right now. Well, I, I want to focus on Burns and Carlson, AJ, both of them sporting significant, mi- significant minuses on their slate for the season to date. These are guys that are, have been minute, minute eaters throughout their careers and guys have had the puck on, on their stick more often than most players in the league on an annual basis year over year. And it's not, not translating into numbers that are favorable to this club. And so the onus is on these guys to really pick it up in their end of the rink. I think they're both guys that should be the, among the team leaders obviously but they're really not delivering the goods and really the a lot of teams uh, a good offense starts from back end and uh, in the preseason we rank these two guys as two of the possibly the two higher scorers among defensemen in the league those numbers aren't translating either so really i think the onus is on them as team leaders and key linchpins on this team to get their act together collectively so there's a challenge a shot across the bow <laughs> the St. Louis Blues won and two last week with one game postponed. Uh, you won't see that from this team too often this year. But despite that, some good offensive numbers. Mike Hoffman really finding his groove here with three goals last week. Colton Pareko with three helpers. Tori Krug with three helpers as well. Tough news, though, on the injury front. Rob Thomas broke a finger. He's out for a month. And Tyler Bozak now moved to the IR with no timetable for his return. He's a useful depth player and insurance for top six. And uh, that'll be missing as well. Another bit of a positive outlook though for Jordan Cairo. Really been a pleasant surprise here among all the veterans. He's a newer face. 12 points in his first 12 games played, already surpassing the 9 points in 28 games that he put down last year. Locked in now as right wing on the second unit. Mike Hoffman also getting comfortable here as I mentioned. 15 shots on goal in his last 3 games. That compares to 15 shots over his first 8 games. He's playing more like the Mike Hoffman that I anticipated and good for him for finding a real nice landing spot in St. Louis. I think they're going to be happy with him at the season's end. You know, you talk about Ivan Barbashev is a player to look out for, especially in DFS contests. It looks like he's going to be first line left winger, uh, you know, coming up tonight. Not a lot of production out of him this season. Doesn't have any goals through 13 games, just three assists. So the, the numbers aren't great, um, but they're going to try and get him going by having playing on that top line with Ryan O'Reilly and, and David Perron. So definitely a player to watch there. For the Tampa Bay Lightning, last season as they continue to roll, Yanni Gord, two assists, Barkley Gaudreau, two assists, and two uh, or two goals and two helpers. Andre Vasilevsky 
has been basically unstoppable, uh, unbeatable, as it were. Four wins in his last four games. You could add a, a fifth overtime loss and say he's on, uh, on you know, hasn't been, uh, hasn't lost in regulation in, in the last five there. Uh, they went with uh, Curtis McElhinney last night, and he got a win for them as well. So it doesn't, as much as it's hard to say, it doesn't matter who's between the pipes for the Lightning. At this point, it doesn't really seem to matter. Uh, both those guys performing well. That was McElhinney's first outing of the season to finally give Vasilevsky some rest. Um, but I expect he'll continue to see a heavy workload, and he's going to be right there in the mix for most games played at the end of the year. That's for sure. You know what, AJ? For me, the story here is not only is the first line humming, but now they got see uh, Anthony Sorelli take the next step in his development. He's got 10 points through 10 games played. And the last week uh, on their schedule, we know three guys performed very well offensively, and that's the third liners here. Uh, Goudreau, Gord, and Coleman, in fact, led the offense from this, this group, which is just... I mentioned the cheat code and David Pasternak. The Tampa offense is a complete cheat code, if you ask me, when you got three lines just uh, ticking and bopping the way that they are right now. So uh, really a formidable squad. The defending champs look like they're going to be a tough out again this year. The uh, Vancouver Canucks, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We don't want to skip the Maple Leafs, do we? <laughs> I almost skipped them, AJ. I can't believe it. They were uh, 2-0 and last week. They added another win last night. Uh, talk about ticking and bopping and humming along. Austin Matthews now 11 goals on the slate. Uh, I didn't think anybody uh, in the NHL was going to score more than 30 or 35 goals this season. But if I had to bet right now, I'd say Austin Matthews is a lock to uh, to get up to 40 at least. He's on a 50-goal pace right now. Uh, and uh, it's been a while since the Leaf player has led the league in goal scoring. But a uh, very strong candidate in him. And he's not even the top scorer on this team. Uh, Austin, I mean, he's got the playmaking excellence of Mitch Marner beside him, a goal and five helpers for him. He leads the club with 20 points behind in the NHL scoring, behind only McDavid and Dreisaitl. That's how good he's been. Morgan Riley, we talked about him having a rebound season. And now that he's healthy, he added three assists to his ledger last week and in a quiet week Nylander chipped in three helpers of his own Freddie Anderson's got his game in order too AJ the goals against has come down steadily now it's sub uh, three goals against per game and the save percentage which you highlight every week it seems is now over 90 (laughs) percent so uh, Freddie despite the heavy workload is finally getting his game in order they did suffer a key injury though Wayne Simmons out with a broken wrist should miss between something between four and six weeks. That's a shame because the big man was coming off a very nice week himself. Huge loss here. And I look for one of Jimmy Vesey or Ilya Mikhaev to take a step up. Mikhaev certainly looked good in last night's win where very few of the offensive stalwarts were going. Uh, Mikhaev kind of led the way and into a third period uh, rebound uh, in, in leading the club to victory when they were in the doldrums in that one. In terms of uh, picking up the physical slack, the lead did sign Scott Sabrin to a two-way contract and he's going to bring a physical presence to the bottom six when necessary and uh, that could be in the next two games when they play the Montreal Canadiens back-to-back. Well the the benefit for this club right now is the unprecedented depth. It's like oh let's just toss Jason Spezza in on the fourth line and he's got eight points through 12 games. I mean he's playing less than 10 minutes of ice time per night they're using him uh, pretty, you know, in comparison when he's playing less than 10 minutes, the fact that almost a minute and a half of that is coming on the power play uh, is, is a nice bonus for them to have in terms of depth. So while the Simmons injury, let's, let's be honest, it's not going to have no impact. 
the fact of the matter is they've got a ton, ton of depth, and that's without even factoring in Joe Thornton or Nick Robertson, who have been both on uh, long-term IR, could be nearing returns uh, at some point here uh, as soon as they're eligible to come off. So really the, the depth is the key here, and, and I think they'll be just fine without Wayne Simmons in the lineup. Vancouver uh, is, a, is a struggling team right now, 0-4-0 in their last couple of games. Thatcher Demko, 11 goals allowed in two games. Same with Braden Holpe. Neither one of these guys playing at, at a high level at all. And, and the offense isn't there either. I mean, you got Pearson has two goals. Uh, Hughes is probably the only real contributor of any significance, five assists over that stretch. But Elias Pettersson, uh, the numbers just, just aren't, you know, they're, they're fine. He's, he's got four points in his last four games. Um, but you want a little bit more production out of the guy that's supposed to be leading the organization and leading the team here. Um, I think, I think they, they're going to want a little bit more out of him in part because they're lacking throughout the rest, rest of the roster right now. Yeah. AJ, I don't know what to think about Vancouver's prospects when they got drilled back to back in series against Montreal and Toronto. So that you, they know they're not in the upper echelon in this division. That message was driven home this week. So uh, that's got to play with the psyche of this entire club. And, and so it'll be interesting for me to see how they rebound. I thought the goaltending would be a strength of this team. Uh, Denko emerging late, late last season as a viable starter, viable enough that they cut ties with Markstrom and brought in Holtby instead. And really they're getting, they're getting hammered night in night out they lead the league in shots on goal allowed and that's a, a trend that has to be reversed if they have any hopes of uh, turning around their early season woes one team that's not worried about turning around their early season woes the Vegas Knights they might be the best team in the league right now AJ two more wins on the ledger they had two other games postponed and uh, I've been wondering when uh, Stevenson would what when his audition at center would run out because he wasn't producing but uh, he's starting to warm up to the role with the two goals uh, that he accounted for last week really fitting in better uh, with uh, stone and patcheretti i mean uh, after a while you and i could start fitting in better with those two guys on on our wings i think aj but let's give this guy some credit and let's see if he can continue to deliver those goods i also said keep an eye on cody glass partner he is a guy that scored like a demon in junior and he has points in his last three games played as center on the third line i see him as a top six player in the near future for this club uh, on defense Braden mcnab on the injury list with a lower body injury is expected to miss the next three weeks. That's a blow to the back end. Dylan Coughlin's been pressed into service on the blue line, but the hope is to get Pietrangelo back from COVID protocol as early as a little bit later this week, maybe even their next game. Well, based on their current uh, goalie rotation, we should expect to see Marc-Andre Fleury tonight, who will look to extend his four-game winning streak to five. You'll see I've got the flower uh, Golden Knight jersey on today, hoping that he can continue to roll there. And I think the you know the injuries are starting to add up on that blue line. Um, but when you have a guy like Shea Theodore who can be your Petrangelo replacement, I mean, let's be honest, it's hard to argue um, against having a guy like that. He's got three assists in his last three games, uh, so no real drop-off from him, which is a bit surprising. I, I thought we'd see... Uh, his pace kind of uh, dip compared to last year's career numbers. When you consider the fact that he's, uh, you know, finding himself as, you know, quote unquote, the number two blue liner after they added Petrangelo. And, and it's really been a benefit for them with Petrangelo unavailable in Washington. They may finally get some of their guys back here tonight. 
or, or in the coming days, at least, Evgeny Kuznetsov was at practice. Now he was still in a fourth line role. Uh, so that's an indicator that, you know, it may take a little bit of time before he's fully up to speed. Justin Schultz is back practicing after taking a puck to the face. And Ilya Samsonov, who confirmed that he did test positive for COVID and had what sound like some pretty severe symptoms, uh, was also back on the ice. I don't anticipate we'll see him anytime soon just because of, of, of that situation. Now, they did have games uh, canceled here uh, against Buffalo, so they'll have some extra time off. They, they were set to play Thursday and Saturday, and then that Saturday would have gone right into a back-to-back on Sunday with the Penguins. Instead, they'll play tonight, and then they'll have the rest of the week off before that Sunday matchup. And that could really benefit a guy like Kuznetsov or Samsonov to, to really get uh, you know kind of fully recovered and up to speed. Yeah, this is one team whose star players have been affected by COVID more than any other team in the league and have had a part to play in an 0-3 record that they put together last week. One other team that is uh, among the leaders in the North Division, uh, surprising to me, is the Winnipeg Jets. They're 2-0-1. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised, though, because their leaders are leading right now, and that's something that not a lot of teams can say. You look at the offensive leaders this week, Kyle Connor with three goals, Mark Shifley with two and two, Wheeler with three assists. And on the blue line, I've touted Neil Pionk as the linchpin on the back end in terms of scoring. He had three assists. Matthew Perot is another guy that chipped in some secondary scoring with three helpers. And uh, on the, uh, another bright positive note is Pierre-Luc Dubois is expecting to make his debut with this club. And uh, he finds himself between Cal Connor and Trevor Lewis on a third scoring line. They've really stretched out the offensive depth on this roster with the addition of, of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I can't wait to see after 10 games what it looks like for this club. I think they will certainly keep uh, the Leafs and Canadians in, in, in close proximity as the three teams that separate themselves from the rest of the pack in this division. uh, Matthew Perot, in fact, is my choice for a left wing on the second scoring uh, scoring line. Uh, Right now, they show we show Christian Vesanen in there, who has played limited minutes to date. Uh, I expect the veteran Perot to overtake him in due course and. and as I said, I expect this team to be right there with the Leafs and Canadians. And another note that I'll make is in a veteran defensive group, top to bottom, they've added now a hulking six foot seven blue liner in Logan Stanley. And boy, that's just another big obstacle that you can add in front of Connor Hellybuck, who must be smiling like the butcher's dog. <laughs> well, the thing I'll add that's that's interesting about these new line combinations is you've got pretty much like two top guys paired up on, on each of these. So you've got Shifley with Ehlers, Stastny with Wheeler, and then Connor with uh, PLD. And so I, and that's going to make for some really, really hard matchups for them, you know, and it's going to open up opportunities for guys like Andrew Kopp to continue producing uh, Veselainen or Perot, depending on if that gets switched today. And even Trevor Lewis, who's been mostly relegated to a fourth line role. He suddenly finds himself playing with a pair of absolute studs. Um, so I, I love the combinations. I, I know, you know, I, I'm always skeptical when they break up Shifley and Wheeler. Um, but I really think these have a, a pretty good group. And, and let's be honest, Kyle Connor, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and any right winger would be a top six line on, on most other teams. It doesn't really matter that it's Trevor Lewis or anybody else. Now, AJ, we haven't talked about the Pittsburgh GM situation. In terms of final thoughts, I'll ask you, have you got any insights or do you have any preferences in that regard? Your team is struggling at the moment, but I think once they get the new uh, 
director in place for the general manager role, I think that could signal a turn in fortunes for this club. I, I believe that, that they're going to be a lot better than they're showing right now. Well, look, I don't claim to be an expert on, on all the background to the guys, but, um, you know, my preferred choice was uh, Chris Drury until he, you know, pulled himself out of consideration. Not surprising that the Rangers then gave him a promotion and I, I'm sure a salary bump after he made that choice. Um, if there's a guy that I, I really like, I, I think it's Tom Fitzgerald, a, you know, a former Penns uh, front office guy. The Devils to date have not extended his contract, um, so it seems like maybe they're not so sold on on him. And I think he would be the you know my preferred choice right now if if we can get him. Uh, you know I'm I'm not sold on the on uh, Patrick Alvin. I, I think he's more of a, a scouting guy and probably a great assistant GM, but I'm not sure he's got the chops right now to be a full on uh, you know uh, runner of uh, of hockey operations. My first, my preferred choice would be John Ferguson Jr., and you know why that is because he absolutely <laughs> sewered the Maple Leafs during his time here. And I, I'd like to see you deal with that situation and see what it's like. But anyway, that wraps up our look around the league this year for this week, uh, partner. Thanks for listening into podcast with Satsman and AJ Rotowire Signature Fantasy Hockey Podcast with the support of our sponsor, Owners Box. Please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno at Statsman. 22 and you can follow aj at aj shows 24 don't forget you can watch this pod on youtube at rotowire hockey and as always we invite you to listen to podcasts to get our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research stay tuned for our dfs section as we uh, help win money on FanDuel and DraftKings. we've had good success for the with the, our picks to date and you heard aj he cashed even last night in an unscheduled play so that's how good he's been of late Uh, so hang in there we'll be back with you to give you our dfs plays hey dfs fans we haven't forgotten about you aj and i paul bruno the stats man are back with your daily fantasy sports picks with our thoughts ahead of tonight's schedule on both D, uh, DFS formats, DraftKings, and FanDuel. AJ, why don't you start us off with your DraftKings picks for tonight's games? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. You know, I think there's a ton of fun games tonight. Um, one situation that I just want to alert our, our listeners uh, to is the fact that uh, you're going to want to check the lines for Winnipeg tonight. I, I think things are going to be shuffled up with Pierre-Luc Dubois coming into action for them. So that's one you're definitely going to want to head over to rotowire.com to check that out. Another thing to check out is to go to Twitter and follow Paul and I for our lineups, which we'll share later today. If if we run through them a little bit too quickly, or if we have to make any tweaks there, you can follow me, AJ Schultz at AJ Schultz two four. And you can follow Paul, the stats man at stats man 22 in terms of DraftKings, Look, I'll start by a, a quick promo. They're, they're not a sponsor, but just throwing this out there for our listeners with NFL season over after the Super Bowl, they've got some fun contests that are running across multiple platforms or sports rather. And so tonight I'll be playing in the NHL 10K micro wrist shot. It's a $2 entry contest and top prize is $1,000. So with that in mind, I have created a GPP heavy lineup and there's a significant trend here. I know it's going to sound very similar to last week. Um, but this lineup is just too good to pass up on Edmonton playing Ottawa again. So I'm going to continue to ride the Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid train. I will spend up for those two guys as my center. Dreisaitl 
Drysaddle, 8,200. McDavid, 9,000. And I'll keep rolling. You know, his numbers have been a little bit low, but I'm expecting them to get hot sooner rather than later. And so I'll stick with Ryan Nugent Hopkins for 6,900 as well. Obviously, that's a lot of money to spend. So you have to find some value at those wing spots. And it starts with Bobby Ryan, 3,600. Detroit is playing Florida tonight, so it's not an easy matchup for them. But Bobby Ryan has just continued to produce for much of the season. Now, uh, Bobby Ryan's definitely a value play. But again, if you're going to go into some of those big uh, guns, you're going to have to find spots to pick at less than $3,000 on DraftKings tonight. I like Mason Appleton. Again, I know Winnipeg's shuffling up the lines, but he's just 2,700 and he's racked up. Uh, you know, two goals in his most recent outing. You look at his last six contests, six points over that stretch. Now he doesn't get the power play minutes. And if his minutes are limited playing in a fourth line role, that's obviously a concern, but at less than $3,000, how can you not use a guy that, that, that is this hot. And speaking of which I'm going to go with Matt Nieto for San Jose. They're playing LA tonight who has really struggled to keep pucks out of the net Nieto's got three goals in his last six games. Again, another situation to watch. What are lines going to look like for the Sharks? I think he's pretty well cemented in a bottom six role, but you never know if things get shuffled around. Uh, He fills my utility spot there. Uh, In terms of the defenseman, I'm going back to Edmonton. I'll use Tyson Berry tonight, 5,700. He's my more expensive uh, option there, but a power play guy, kind of pairing him up with those other big guns facing an Ottawa team. Uh, that that has struggled for much of the season. My other defender, admittedly, is a toss-in guy. Um, I needed somebody that that was going to play um, at least get minutes, and and maybe I can get lucky on twenty seven hundred for Dante Fabro. I like what he does with Nashville. They have a tough tough matchup with Tampa, no uh, doubt about it. But Fabro will at least very certainly be in the top four there, uh, and could see some some added minutes uh, with some injury concerns for them. Finally, I rounded out with the Edmonton netminder to complete my full oiler stack tonight. Miko Koskinen, 8,200. I used Mike Smith last night. It worked out well for me. I'm going to continue to ride Edmonton and go with Koskinen, 8,200. That's how I shake things out on DraftKings. Paul, what's your FanDuel lineup look like tonight? Well, well it's a mis- mixed bag, AJ, so uh, I'm going to play it in a couple of different formats tonight and see how it goes. The last time I did that, I hit big, so I'm hoping for a repeat performance. Uh, I'm going to start with Florida against Detroit to lean on a couple of players in that matchup. At the top of the board and at the center position, Alexander Barkov looks like he's getting his his game in order, and uh, there's nobody on the Detroit side save maybe Dylan Larkin can play with him, and I think Florida's going to do everything they can with last change to keep that matchup from happening. So I'll take him for $7,400. That's a little bit low for Barkov that I remember uh, in pricing him over the years. And uh, that affords me the opportunity to pair him with Leon Dreisaitl. I can't stay away from that Ottawa matchup and and put the big guy in there as well for $8,200. I won't put McDavid in, obviously, because that just, in my opinion, I, I got to spread the roster a little bit, and I don't like having too many third or fourth liners in. So I don't in the, in this matchup at all, in fact, even though I got Dreisaitl in there. I went also to the Vegas matchup for for a couple of players in a bit of a mini stack there, including a couple of wingers, Jonathan Marchessault for $6,100, and Mark Stone from their top line at $7,700. He's humming right now, so glad to stick him in there. And I also put in Alec Martinez in the defense core uh, $4,100 for a guy I think he's going to play first line first pairing minutes there uh, with the injury 
to Pietrangelo. He's afforded maybe even a look on the special teams there, so it's a bit of an unexpected bonus for me if that happens. Then I partner him with Keith Yandel, who is an underrated defenseman. When you look at the top-scoring Blue Liners, AJ, $4,400 for him in a tasty matchup against the Detroit Red Wings that were on the road tonight. I finish up my winger compliment with Denis Gurianov. Fans of this this segment know that I'm a big fan of Gurianov in DFS play, and why not? He's averaging 15.5 points per outing over his nine starts, and I get him for $5,700 and uh, figures to get some chances against a, def- a Chicago defense that looks a little bit suspect to me. Andrew Kopp is a guy that's getting first-line minutes in Winnipeg. I round out the compliment of my forwards by sticking him in there he's playing alongside Shifley and he's rewarding me to the tune of 14 and a half points per outing uh, I get him in there every chance I get as long as he's playing first line minutes $4,300 heck of a price tag to play uh, alongside Shifley I look for a reward there and I spent a lot of money up front so I went on the cheap in the nets I flipped a coin and it came up Jonathan Quick in the late game against San Jose. I don't like Marty Jones' uh, game at the moment. Quick's not much better, but I think at home he, he's he got to be feeling a little more comfortable than the visitors tonight uh, just for sleeping in his own bed, let's say, and I hope that tilts the scales in his favor for a rare positive outing for him. So I'll be staying up late to see if I get the goalie win tonight, AJ. Any thoughts then before we sign off, partner? No, I think, uh, again, just, you know, keep an eye on those line combinations. And and that's really the best way to kind of find these low-cost guys that get bumped up to a a top six role playing with some uh, better talent. So check rotowire.com for those line combinations, and and we'll have all those up to date as as soon as we have them uh, from the the guys that uh, are on the ground. The, The boots on the ground covering the team, we cover them. And we get those line combinations uh, for you. So what you're saying is Andrew Kopp's a good pick? I, I do think so. I mean, it's a low-cost guy, first-line role. Uh, you know, hard to beat that. That's for sure. There you go. I feel better already, AJ. <laughs> I wish our listeners good luck with your picks. Join us again next Tuesday for the following episode of Podcast with Statsman and AJ. So long, everybody.